do yourself a favor and get into it earlier. G'day guys and welcome to Holly the OT podcast. My name is Holly and I am an occupational therapist looking to create a judgment-free zone for all OT students, new grads and early year therapists. Join me as I give my honest opinions on the highs and the lows and the ins and the outs of being an OT. Before I start today's episode, I would like to acknowledge the Yawalaray people who are the traditional custodians of the land this episode was recorded. G'day guys, what's happening? Welcome back to Holly the OT. Happy Wednesday. Oh, okay, I'm going to stop myself right there. Why would I say happy Wednesday? I might not even release this on a Wednesday and you might not be even listening on a Wednesday. Oh. I clearly have a lot to learn in the world of podcasting. Happy whatever date is you're listening to this episode. Let's go with that. Today's episode is all about working as an allied health assistant. And if you've listened to my previous episodes, you will know that I did a lot of that. And I'm a huge advocate for it. I think it's great. But before we get into that, I am going to share my therapy win for the week, give you guys a little bit of an update. And yeah. So my therapy win for this week, if you listen to the last episodes, you will know that I am currently working on an outreach, I guess. So I work in pretty a pretty remote community and our head office for this company is actually based um, in Newcastle. So that's where, well, Raymond Terrace, that's where I was working before I moved out here and I go back there once a month mainly to uh, see my boyfriend, but also to sort of maintain some services with some of the clients that weren't able to find a new OT and are still on wait list. So I still am seeing a few clients. So I only see them once a month. So obviously not a heap I can do there, but I've given them all home programs and everything's going really well. And one of my clients, and she has just about to turn two, I've been seeing her with the physio and we've been working, she's had a really, really, really bad motor delay, and we've been working on her core strength, and the physio's been working on her walking, and she came for her appointment, I hadn't seen her for about two months, she came for her appointment on last week, and she walked to me, and she walked to me and came up and gave me the biggest hug, and it was the best moment ever, because this is a girl that before hadn't even stood on her own for two months and she's made all this progress just by doing the home programs that me and the physio gave her and it was such a nice moment and the mum was so happy and I was so happy and everyone was just it was great I guess physios that's more their area and it was only it was really cool that I was able to work with the physio and see that process play out and while I did have a role to play and the core strength and all that came into it and the sensory side of things it was definitely definitely the physio's domain and it was just really really cool to see that play out something really really different so that's my therapy win for the week and I think that trumps all of them so far and I also think it's worth acknowledging the power of a dedicated family and dedicated parents like I take my hat off to any parent of any child let alone a child with a disability and I know how overwhelming it can be and I'm very conscious when I give people home programs like I know there's more to life than just sitting and doing therapy but this family worked so hard and it was just really cool to see that the ideas that we gave them can actually come to fruition it was it was great loved it update from my end 
the podcast has been reaching some people, which is really, really cool. I've had so many messages since I released the last episode last fortnight that have been so lovely from students, from other OTs, people listening. And I still can't tell you how cool I think it is that people are actually listening. Like, I know that's ridiculous because why else would I put out a podcast? The intention was for people to listen. But the fact that I've already been getting messages from people saying, oh, you've really helped me making this decision or, you know, I I relate to you. I thought I was the only one. Like, that's really cool. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. So if you feel inclined to send me a message, just know that it puts the biggest smile on my face and I'm all about it. So thank you to everyone who sent me messages. I really, really appreciate it. There was one that was really, really long and I was out for dinner with my boyfriend and I I'd only had one one, but I was in, I was in a cheerful mood and I read it and I almost cried. I was like, this is so sweet. So Callum, if you're listening, which I think you will be, that message was so lovely. So thank you so much. And another important update, which absolutely none of you will have any interest in, but it is important to me and I need to tell someone, my car broke down and I need a whole new engine. And that's really, really sad. And I bet you're wondering, what's the relevance I'll tell you the relevance. My favorite, favorite thing to do outside of work, and it gives me the best work-life balance, is going camping for driving in my car. My car's fully set up, rooftop tent, power, blah, 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 all that stuff. I could live out of it, and I will one day. And it's broken down, and it's not going anywhere anytime soon. Just the fact that I am so remote, and my mechanic is very, very far away. And yeah, it's just that is an issue but I'm I'm working on it I'm filling my cup other ways but I was like ah oh, this is my ultimate way to switch off and my ultimate like going camping and going for a really long drive road trip like that is my happy time so yeah it was really really hard I was really really upset but I'm pushing through I'm finding other ways to fill my cup and keep that work-life balance but I just had to update you guys <laughs> All right, enough about me. Let's get into today's episode. So today we are talking all about allied health assistance and why I think it is the best way to help that transition from student to new grad. And I'm just going to put a little disclaimer in. I'm going to talk primarily about allied health assistance in private practice solely because that's my experience, but I will touch on, you know, any allied health assistant role, any support worker role, any teacher's aid role, anything that gets you in the sector and gets you interacting with people is great experience. But particularly working as an allied health assistant, I think is great. So first of all, what is an allied health assistant? If you don't know, so my, as I said, my perspective is coming from NDIS. So essentially your role, you're there to support the therapist and that could mean a million trillion things. I cannot even tell you the large variety of jobs I did in my allied health roles and all of them were so different. And I say roles I had in my degree, I had three different allied health assistant roles I'm not a job hopper. They were, they, there was nothing wrong with the roles. I just moved around a lot. So my first one was in Wollongong. My second one, I moved further down the South Coast. And then my last one was in Newcastle, which is the company that I still work for now. And in those three roles, I was exposed to so much cool stuff. And I was exposed to so much extra knowledge that I wouldn't have under my belt as a new grad now if I didn't have those positions. And I know that's what placements are for, but there's only so much that placement can teach you 
purely because you're limited by time and you don't always have the choice of where you go into placement. So you could have a particular area that you absolutely want to work in and you might not get a placement in that area. Whereas you could get a job in that area before you graduate and get all that experience. It's so great. And you get paid for it. You don't get paid for placement. Why why are we working for free? Why not go out and find a position that is like an extended placement, except you get paid and you don't have the stress of having a mark to get to reach or an assignment that you have to submit or reflections to do about it. There's so many benefits to working as an allied health assistant. And now is the perfect time to get allied health assistant roles just purely with how much the NDIS is growing and the demand for therapists, which aren't being filled, means there's also a demand for allied health assistants. When I first started working as an allied health assistant, which was almost four years ago now, it was a very new thing. There wasn't much out there in terms of guidance and what roles should look like and what responsibilities allied health assistants could have. Whereas now, I mean, it's a line item in the NDIS. There's programs that are designed just for allied health assistants and it's it's definitely a growing area. And the three roles I had were all very different, all in NDIS, all primarily pediatrics, but just the way they were set up within the companies were very, very different. So you, your experience, if you have an AHA role, might be completely different to mine. But essentially in my first role, I started, I think I was only there four hours one afternoon and I was just doing resources. And then every now and then I'd just jump on the phones and I would answer the phones. And then eventually I'd, I'd have some downtime and there'd be a cool, a cool session happening and the OT would say, come jump in, have a look. Same with there was a speechy there and I got to jump in on her sessions. So eventually I was jumping in and obviously when you're there and kids are playing games, you jump in the games and then my therapist would see like, oh, she's, she's sort of all right. And then they slowly, I was taking clients that needed like a preschool visit as an addition to their clinic session or if the clinician could only offer fortnightly, but the family wanted weekly, I was jumping in and doing that extra session. So still really, really supported. And I was able to see what the therapist was doing the week before. And then I could pretty much more or less copy that or add to that the next week. So I wasn't out on my own. I wasn't, you know, creating therapy plans from the get-go. It was a really gradual exposure. And That was great because I didn't feel overwhelmed. I was slowly able to build my skills and learn all about the clients and their therapy needs. Whereas if I was doing that as a new grad and that was my first exposure to pediatrics, oh goodness, I would be overwhelmed. Like there's so much to learn and it's absolutely the role of your employer to give you the opportunity to learn. But it just coming into a role as a new grad just eased my anxiety so much because I already had so much pre-established knowledge. Anyway, sidetrack. But yeah, so that was my first place. So yeah, I, I just built myself up. And when I left there, I had a caseload of my own that was, I think, about 15 clients long. So I was already managing a, a caseload of 15 kids independently. Some of them had come to me with assessments. Some of them, my supervisor supported me to do the assessments. So I was doing assessments with support before I was even graduated, which was great. And then I went to my second place, which was further down the South Coast, about two hours down the South Coast. And they already had an allied health assistant program 
established. So the first place, I was the first one they'd had. The first student they'd had, it was very new. It was quite a small practice at the time. And the second place had gone in and it was already an established program. So it involved like a 10-week block and the therapist would see the client with me in the first week and the 10th week and we would have a review meeting in the middle and then the rest of it was sort of up to me. So it was really autonomous, which was really, really cool. And unfortunately, I didn't stay there for too long because then I moved up to Newcastle which was a shame because they were a wonderful, wonderful business. And it was really cool to see what an established AHA program was like. And then my final position was, and which is the position I'm still in with the same company, it was a mixture of allied health assistant work and admin work. Now, I had a fear of the phone which I feel like is quite a millennial thing. No one, everyone's on their phones, but no one likes a phone call. Unfortunately, as a therapist, you need to be somewhat competent in making phone calls. So I was thrown in the deep end. Well, not really thrown in the deep end. I voluntarily did it. He would never force me to do anything I didn't want to do. But I was like, wow, what a great way to come over my fear and learn that soft skill of phone skills and conversation skills and not being afraid of answering the phone and or calling people. Like if you know what that's like, you know it can be quite like annoying so I, yeah, was in a admin position and then I would do maybe like five or six hours that, in that role working directly with clients. And then in that admin role as well, I was able to really learn the back-end stuff, like the payment stuff and the NDIS and support coordinators and, and reviews and, and PRODA and, and raising invoices, like all that really, really important stuff that you don't really need to know as a therapist, but it helps your confidence if you do know. Because if a parent asks you a question, they don't expect for you to give them an answer all the time, especially when it's about funding and, and things like that. But I find it really helps my confidence knowing that majority of questions about funding I can answer, which is purely because I had that admin experience. So it's all these skills that you get as an AHA that you don't learn at uni and you won't always be exposed to on placements that you're slowly getting more and more exposed to throughout your degree, which is so, so good. Now, I want to touch on soft skills and soft like communication skills. It's not something that you can be taught from a textbook. It's not, it's not something you research, I guess. It's something that you practice over time and you slowly develop the skill. Like I'm talking how to be in a therapy session with a kid, kids going crazy, you're having the time of your life and then mum and dad drop a bombshell and then you have to, you know, be really compassionate and shift from that fun perspective. Like that's really tricky to do. I always encourage parents to be open with me if they want to and we have all these designated times for talking. But sometimes you just get caught off guard and you've got to really show your compassion and really communicate, you know, reassurance to the family. And, and that happens so many times. And I saw that happen quite a lot within my role as an AHA. I saw that happen with the therapist that I was shadowing and saw how they handled it and was able to take what they did and then slowly build that into my own skills. And I was having conversations with families and showing those soft communication skills before I was even graduated. Yeah, you when you're on placement, like placement is wonderful, but there's a lot of pressure sometimes and often if a tricky tricky question comes up your supervisor will jump in just for a million reasons like just because they're protecting themselves it's their own clients and sometimes they know the families it's easier for them to just jump in so often you don't get chances on placement to develop those skills and 
I thank my allied health assistant role for allowing me to be so confident in having tricky conversations with family when I need to and showing compassion and all those soft skills. I also found another super beneficial thing about working as an allied health assistant was being surrounded by other health professionals and Obviously, when you go on placements, you meet other health professionals. But if you're working in a non-health related industry, you know, there's so many benefits to those sorts of jobs as well. But I was able to take, you know, assignment questions or career questions or just general, what would you do in this scenario questions to my supervising therapist and all all the therapists that I work with and get their perspective. And there's so many assignments that I did and I was like, hey, can you like have a quick read of this or this is what I'm thinking, is that what you would say? And just get that guidance, which is really cool. Sometimes you just need that reassurance when you're doing an assignment or when you're trying to think something through. And just also cool to hear their lived experience of, well, this is what the university answer will be for this question, but this is probably what the lived experience, what would actually happen. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that makes sense, but let me know if it doesn't. But yeah, I just think the more health professionals you can surround yourself with and the more you can see them work and how they work and how differently everyone else works is really cool. And it's, it's cool to be exposed to that. The other cool thing is if you're studying a allied health degree, whether you're studying speech or OT or physio, whatever it is, you generally can go straight into a level two AHA role. So there's two levels. Level one means you need pretty much direct supervision. And it's generally for those who are studying allied health assistant work at TAFE. TAFE. <laughs> TAFE. <laughs> uh, sorry, speechy friends. Don't don't come for me. Um and that, yeah, having the university degree background, you generally can go to a level two. So that just means more autonomy, a little bit more Monday, and just a, an easier transition to what it would be like as a therapist, which is another really cool thing. Now, as far as getting allied health assistant jobs go, I remember when I first searched AHA roles on SEEK. Not much came up. It was generally hospital positions. And I'd love to hear from anyone that had an assistant job in a hospital because I didn't. And I think they sound really, really cool and really, really supported. And I know that on my placements, there was always allied health assistants running around, which was really, really cool to see. But yeah, generally, if you do a SEEK search, most of the jobs are for health or for like workers comp. And if that's your jam, go for it. But generally, private practices don't don't tend to advertise, just in my experience anyway. Often it's hard to fill positions and jobs are always sort of going without the application. My point there is just because you search on SEEK and there's not a lot of AHA jobs that have come up doesn't mean the positions aren't there. So all three of my positions I got by sending them an email. I just did a Google search in the area that I wanted a job of OT clinics, found their email address, which is generally on the website or on their Facebook page, and I sent them an email. And it just basically said, hey, I'm Holly. I am an OT student. I want to work for you. For lack of a better words, I definitely put more thought into it than that. But for all three of them, they got back to me no later than a week. I think one of them was like an hour later, but within a week and I was down there having an interview and got the jobs that way. And you just have to put yourself out there. I definitely, they definitely weren't the only emails I sent. I definitely got a few bites back and some people didn't respond at all, which is so fine. If they're not looking and they're very busy, that's fine. So don't be discouraged 
if you do reach out and you don't hear anything back, but I would definitely keep trying with all the clinics in your area and just put the feelers out. Like they might only be looking for someone one day a week or one afternoon a week or volunteer to start. But then if you go and show yourself and prove yourself, more can come from that, which is really, really cool. So yeah, put yourself out there, send an email. If anyone wants to see the emails I sent, I still have them in my my sent emails. Let me know and I can show you what I sent. But just be, you know, give them a little info into yourself. Attach your cover letter, attach your resume and just let them know what experience you've had, what placements you've been on, what your clinical interests are. And I think you'll be pretty, you'll be pretty surprised how many positions there are actually out there. I just want to touch on as well, I'm a part of a NDIS OT providers Facebook group and it's a really, really, really great group. Um, There's a lot of OTs in it. Everyone discusses all things NDIS. And there was a thread the other day, someone had posted about they just had a new, they just had hired a new OT. She was a new grad and she'd come from another OT company, was really burnt out, really badly treated. And it just, she asked for a discussion on, on new grads and OTs within the NDIS sector. And there was at least three comments of other OTs saying that NDIS isn't an appropriate avenue for a new grad and they should get generalist positions first and then go into NDIS. Now, I just want to say, if you're reading that as a student or as a new grad that's struggling, whatever it is, and that's what you read, that is going to absolutely knock your confidence and completely deter you from getting into the NDIS sector. Now, let me put it this way. NDIS is hard. I'm not saying it's easy, but if you're in the right position, you will be supported. But make that transition easier on yourself by getting an allied health assistant role and giving yourself all this extra time to learn. The idea that new grads don't belong in NGIS is absolutely bonkers. And if anyone's made you feel like that, let me know and I'll send them an email because NGIS is so wonderful and the demand is there and there are some really good positions out there. But unfortunately, there's also some really bad positions out there. And that's what my next episode is going to be on. But I just, I don't want people to think that it's unattainable to work in the NDIS. It is overwhelming and you do have to, you you do get exposed to a lot of different clients. But treat that as a positive. Like how cool that we get to do so many different things. But I, I, I know I come from a place where I've come into a new grad role with a lot of experience and that has helped my confidence and has helped that transition. So I guess there's two things I'm touching on there. The first one being don't let people tell you can't work in NDIS and if it's overwhelming, look at the position you're in and see what they're doing and how they're supporting you which is a whole other episode coming. But then the second point of that is do yourself a favor and get into it earlier. Learn all about the NDIS earlier. Learn all the lingo. Learn all the payments. Learn all the therapy methods by having a role as an AHA. That's my that's my mic drop for today. Nothing super crazy in today's episode. Not a super groundbreaking episode, but I just wanted to share my experience as an AHA and why I think it's wonderful. But I've got a really great episode coming up next week and I'm going to be touching on all things new grad role, burnout, what to do when your employer isn't offering you the right support that they promised you and just giving tips for students that are listening as well. But that is all from me for today, guys. As always, let me know what you think, share it around, and I'll see you guys next time. Well, I'm so bad at this. I won't see you. I'll talk to you. You you won't even look at me. Anyway, goodbye, guys.